peace is a bird. This morning we lit the second of the four Advent candles, commonly signifying hope, peace, joy and love. That's what the four are all about. Or alternatively, focusing on the prophet, John the Baptist, the shepherd, and the last one, the Mary. Although some traditions vary that order, which can be a little confusing. Three of the candles are usually purple, though sometimes blue. But the third candle, representing joy, is almost always pink, or more correctly, rose. And in the Catholic Church, the priest will be wearing rose-coloured vestments. Back in the day, however, Pope Innocent III, around about the year 1200 or thereabouts, declared black to be the proper uh, colour for Advent. So I guess I'm the Catholic. <laughs> and strangely, the second Sunday of Advent has two Gospel readings listed in the lectionary for this year while the fourth uh, Sunday in Advent has three alternative readings. So plenty of choice. So I have decided to go with the readings and the theme chosen by Christian World Service because they provided the little candle lighting ceremony with which we started the service. And while reading for the reading from Luke does reference John the Baptist, it's actually, as we heard, a prophecy spoken by his dad, Zechariah, on the occasion of John's birth. Now we know quite a bit about Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth because Luke, in recounting the story, tells us earlier that Zechariah served as a priest at the temple in Jerusalem while Herod was king and that he belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. Now, just as an aside, Luke's details about Zechariah and his priestly order were quite important, along with charts uh, which are now available on computer of the night sky over Jerusalem, in helping Dr. Jeff Callan, uh, the professor of uh, physics at Victoria University, uh, to sort out the nature of the Christmas star and the date the wise men arrived in Jerusalem. I'm going to have a bit more to say about that and share about that when we host the Hub Churches here on the 9th of January. But back to our theme. Zechariah's uh, prophecy concludes with these words. By the tender mercies of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our footsteps into the way of peace. I guess you saw the news that uh, once again New Zealand has been invited to send a peacekeeping force to the Solomon Islands. That pickup there was taken the last time we were there. And of course our peacekeepers have only recently come home after 20 years in Afghanistan. Personally, I think the fact that our military presence is styled a defence force and its personnel are often deployed in providing practical support 
for Pacific countries devastated by extreme weather events conveys an appropriate message on the world scene and may in a sense be taken as an example of peace being seen as something that drives positive action. A friend of in my Franciscan order recently wrote in an Advent reflection about his concern for the state of the world. He said, some years ago, my wife and I took the time to read the Bible straight through. As we finished up, we noted that one we noted that one theme running throughout was that we humans just seem to mess up a lot over and over and over. Even though another theme is that God stayed with us throughout all this mess, it still struck us at the time that there wasn't a lot of progress made by us humans in all that history. Given all that's happening in the world today, we came to the conclusion that we haven't made much progress in all these thousands of years. In other words, humankind has still not found that elusive way of peace. And doesn't it seem odd to you that whenever a country is attacked by a heavily armed force, the only answer we seem to have is to send an even more heavily armed force to cow them into submission. And we call that peace. I don't really think that's what the prophets meant. When Isaiah had that well-known vision of the lion lying down with the lamb, he was seeing a metaphoric state of affairs where random violence did not exist. And the vulnerable were no longer at risk from the predatory. That power was devoted to peaceful purposes. Spears turned into pruning hooks. Swords into plowshares. Would that the trillions spent on maintaining an armed balance of power could be diverted to humanitarian purposes. Would that we could just feed the hungry. But as long as there is oppression and long-standing inequalities in the world, such as Christian world service has drawn to our attention regarding those consigned to lifelong degradation because they were born into the untouchable caste in India, then someone has to stand up and say, enough is enough. Or provide financial assistance to those who can. That is another way in which peace can be seen as a verb, something you do, something you strive for, rather than some state of idyllic tranquility suggested by the possibility of legal against, legal action against anyone disturbing the peace. Although St. Francis of Assisi started out wanting to be a knight, his experience as a soldier was crucial in turning him in to a dedicated man of peace. His bishop and the good folk of Assisi were offended by the simple life of Francis and his brothers in the faith, such that the bishop lodged a complaint and Francis was summoned to Rome to receive a dressing down by the same Pope Innocent III. Pope had a dream about a small man, barefoot, robed 
fourth round. Then they met. The Pope was so overwhelmed by Francis' love of God, so moved by his humility, his humility and charity, that he abandoned his golden throne, fell to his knees, and kissed the feet of the barefoot Francesco. As is beautifully portrayed by Alec Guinness in Zeparelli's film, Brother Sister, sister uh, Brother Sun, Sister Moon. And that was the beginning of the First Order of Franciscans. A much more recent film, The Sultan and the Saint, set during the Christian-Muslim War that we know as the Fifth Crusade, tells the story of France's unlikely meeting with the ruler of the Muslim Empire on the battlefield in an attempt to stop the war. There's no record of what actually transpired, but it's interesting that eight centuries later, in our day, Pope Francis made his first ever visit to the United Arab Emirates at the invitation of Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed. Now the concept of peace conveyed by the Hebrew word shalom and used throughout the Hebrew scriptures conveys much more than the absence of conflict. Rather it carries the sense of wholeness, of well-being, soundness of body and mind, having sufficient for one's needs. Though often used as a greeting, it is as much a word of blessing, a wish for the other's good, as is often expressed in many of the Celtic blessings. May the, the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. And the rain fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. And it's as much a desire for the welfare of the community as it is of the individual. Zechariah's prophecy makes that clear. By God's tender mercy, the dawn from on high will break upon us. That's about community. Back then it was the nation of Israel. Now we can as easily regard it as referencing the ten of five million. Are we not those who sit in the dark shadow cast by the pandemic? Is not the shadow of COVID death upon us? So what is the way of peace in our time of trouble? Is it the rather pessimistic picture painted by my friend? Or does the gospel have a more hopeful view? Just think of those disciples at Passover, that last time. Puzzled and confused, perhaps growing fearful as Jesus outlines what is likely to happen very soon. John preserves for us his comforting words of encouragement. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he tells them. And then uses the traditional speech of a bridegroom to his bride, when on the morrow his friends will come to take her away from her father's house to an unknown future 
to her husband's family. In my father's house, there are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. These words of reassurance. Later, he says to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. And according to Luke, his first words when he appeared to the disciples were, Peace be with you. Not the peace of the world, but a way of peace that transformed them by the power of the Spirit from a frightened bunch of cowering behind locked doors into courageous witnesses of the resurrection who continued to tell the story despite arrests and attacks and dangerous years of travel, spreading the good news across the known world. That is the inner peace which Jesus gives and which strengthens us and encourages us to be a non-anxious presence in our families, in our workplaces, in our social gatherings, wherever there is anxiety and fear or anger and frustration, wherever the shadow of COVID falls. What better could we do than take to ourselves the peace prayer attributed to St. Francis. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. And joy is the theme for the next Sunday in Advent.